Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing? Good? Come on. I like it. Uh, it's, uh, we're in our Advent series, and uh, I think it's, it, it, for me, it's been good. Hopefully, it's, it's been good for you. We have uh, talked about what Advent is, and Advent was, was a looking forward to Jesus' coming, the birth, the Advent, and the nativity of Jesus, and it's also today for us looking towards His coming, the second coming. So it's, it's both these, these looking to. And what we've talked about thus far is the first week we talked about hope, and we used that song, O Holy Night, and we talked about hope, and the weary world needs hope. And last week we talked about peace, and this glorious morn, and the peace of God that comes. This week we're talking about joy, and fall on your, and, and the, the part of the song we talk about is to fall on your knees. So joy. Well, let me just ask, because it doesn't look this way, but how many joyous people do we actually have in the room this morning? Okay. See, you guys are sitting there like, okay, but joy. I want to talk about uh, a, a joy today and what that looks like and, and, and rest with it. But I want you to, as we get going, I want to pray, but I want you to just kind of open your heart as I ask you to do, okay? Don't let this be um, two hours of me preaching and then you guys leaving. Come on. Come on. You know I'm only going an hour and 45. Um, so, gosh, it... it I want you to wrestle with these things. I want you to wrestle with joy of the Lord. I want you to wrestle with them so as you're thinking. So let's pray as we get ready to, to kick this off. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for this church. What a blessing it is to be in this school on Sunday mornings and to worship you, Father God. But Lord, it's all for naught if we, if, if, if we walk out of this building and nothing really changes. God, so I pray that we would be a people whose lives are changed because of you. Got a people full of joy so that the world would receive the hope of Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 So fall on your knees. Here's the thing with joy. Joy tells us what we value most in life. Joy tells us what we value most. It defines us as people. The joy defines us as people. It literally, when you look at certain people, you go, that person, there's just something about them. Now, now, for me in my life, um, because I'm more of the Scrooge, I'm working on the, the joy thing, my wife is, is an incredible example of joy in our home. Um, and and, and um, uh, it's a challenge to all of us yeah, men <laughs> to, to not be so, and because and usually it is our wives that bring this, this great joy. But, but joy tells us what we value, and this is even more, and I want you to think about this. Joy is only as good as the object. If you remember nothing else when you walk out of here, just keep this phrase in your head. Joy is only as good as the object. So the question is, what is the object of your joy this season? What's got a hold of you? Is, is, is the object of your joy a relationship, 
a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend? Is it a job that you have or don't have? Is it your health? Is it money? Is it a house? Is it a drug? What is the object of your joy today? And I want to examine that because um, in this season, what a great opportunity. What a great opportunity that you and I have in this Christmas season to bring joy and impact the lives of so many other people. And this is what I want to go through. I want to talk about some, some fake joys and, some, and the real joy. And, and fake joy, joy and suffering, circumstantial joy, fading joy, joy in the presence of Jesus, and contagious joy. See, I told you I was going an hour and 45. Yeah, six, Relax, Ben. I promise I'm not. I need a smile out of your face. You're like, you're like the Grinch over there, too. It's because everybody's sick in your home? I don't blame you. Okay. All right. But then if everybody's sick in your home, why are you here getting us sick? That's what I want to... I'm kidding. All right, so the, here's what we're going to tackle here. Uh, let's, let's start with uh, falling on your knees. Fake joy, fake joy. And nothing says Christmas, you know, nothing is, is more Christmassy than a 2 Samuel uh, 11.4 verse, you know, uh, on, on fake joy that says she came to him and he slept with her. I mean, <laughs> oh joy. <laughs> I'm going somewhere, I promise you. I promise you, it is going somewhere. And this is the one, though, that, that really grabs us, that I, I, literally grabs us. And I, I, the, see, fake joy is the joy we take in sin. Fake joy is the joy that you and I take in our sin. And, and, and I love it. it was the joy of sexual conquest that led David to commit adultery with Bathsheba and the joy of getting away with it that led him to have her husband killed. Now, what's interesting in there is you see, I put joy in both those sentences. Now, think about it. Wait, 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 wait. It was joy in his sexual conquest. It was joy in him getting away with it. Because the reality is this. The Bible says really clearly, I don't know if you guys know this, but joy is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. And there can be moments of joy. Fake joy. It, it, it says this, that it's fleeting. Hebrews eleven twenty five says this of 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 uh, this guy in the Bible. Um, he, <laughs> I think it's Abraham. I got to remember what I said. He chooses to be mistreated along. Yes, no, it was it was uh, 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 Moses. Gosh, sorry. This is speaking of Moses. He chose to be mistreated along with his people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Look, look, sin is pleasurable for a season, but it's fake as can be. It does not last. It does not bring sustained joy. See, and, and I love the way that people think in, in our world today, in this hedonistic Christian society, you know, the bumper sticker, you know, I'm a, I'm a sinner, but I'm forgiven, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, God loves me just the way I am. Yes, that is absolutely true that God loves you just the way you are. But Dr. Hand said this, God loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay that way. Think about that for a second. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. God will deal with our sin, this side of heaven or that side of heaven. But he loves you too much to leave you in it. 
God loves me too much to leave me in this fake joy. You know, we talk about regularly, just about every week, about the natural and the spiritual. They run parallel to one another. Natural principles in life and spiritual principles in life. God meant it to be that way. And here's one of the natural principles. It says, God loves us the way we are, but too much to leave us. You know what? I love my children the way they are. As wacky as they are, as much as they're like my wife, I love them. They're beautiful like you. I love them, but I love them too much to leave them in their crap. So we sit here in this this wrestling with God, and we go, oh, God, you know, you're going to deal with me and all this stuff. But it's not a bad thing. It's that God loves you. And, And when you take spiritual principles and you look at them in a natural form, they start to make sense. None of us as parents, or if you had good parents or, or decent parents, will leave us in our stuff. They're going to deal with our stuff. But they love you just the way you are. They love you just the way that you are. I've been on a, a, a text. There's a guy in the Midwest that I minister to, and, and, and I guess pastor is a, would be a loose word because he doesn't really listen to me. So, um, But when things get, you know, squirrely, here he comes. You know the text is coming, okay? And uh, he, he's, he's in this relationship. He's married and in, an, in a, another relationship, and, and, and he, he's, uh, he, I met with him on the phone about a couple months ago. I think it was two months ago. And I'm like, dude, this is, this is going to come back to haunt you. I know, and and literally, I um, uh, I I wrote out the scenario of what was going to happen for him. If you don't do this, this is what God is going to do. Because God loves you too much to leave you in your sin, this is what He's going to. He's going to expose you to your wife. He's gonna He's gonna throw. Here's how it works. I talk about this principle all the time. With our sin, continued, continued, continued sin, years and years, and I don't know what at what point, but God does this. He whispers in our soul and says, "Don't do it." The next thing that he does is he brings someone along in our life that he says, don't do this anymore. The last thing that God does, because he loves us, not because he hates us, is he go, let me just show everybody your sin and let's watch you be humbled. God doesn't do it to embarrass you or me. He does it because he loves us too much to leave us in our sin. So he's texting me last night. And that's what happened. He's exposed. I'm like, dude, I told you. I didn't want to say I told you so, but I told you this is how God works. It's very humbling because it's not just him. It's, it's us. It's us. God won't leave us in this fake joy. Your sin is fake joy. Your sin, your addiction, your, your, your whatever it is, is fake joy. It's not lasting. That's why it, it always has to increase. That's why they say when you, you touch something that you're not supposed to touch, it's, it's not enough the second time to do the same thing or the third time or the fifth time or the hundred. It's this increase because you're looking for your body's looking for a, a greater kick of endorphins and, and, and it's just not satisfying. It's fake joy. Yet we have a world that's chasing fake joy. Is there anything you're chasing today? Number two is joy and suffering. This is, this is a, a, a tougher one for me in that um, if, 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 if we're really to look at my life, is there anything I can really call suffering? I mean, suffering. 
as you look at your life. Oh, I lost a job. Is it really? I understand that suffering. I understand. We lost a house. We lost, you know, uh, there's plenty of things. Is it, is it But let's look at what this says, though. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 through, uh, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Here it is, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Sat down at the throne of God. This is in, in, in everything set before him. It's the joy that sustained him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Suffering. We know the story of the cross. We know the picture of the cross. We know the nails driven in his hands and the crown of thorn and the beating that he took and taking on and being separated from the Father and all these things. But, but it was this joy that he saw, the joy of being exalted because he knew he'd be at the right hand of the Father, but the joy that he knew he'd have in fellowship with you and I. Now, when you think about the cross in that way, that Jesus went to the cross and endured all those things because of you and me and the joy that he has in fellowship with us, should change it a little bit. Joy and suffering. I mean, we see in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat came like drops of blood falling down to the ground. At least a part of that, at, there, there is a point of that, that anguish that Jesus was going through that he had to endure, that, that he endured because of the joy that he knew was coming. Are you suffering? Let me, let me back up from my first statement on have I really suffered. It's all relative. I mean, all of us have, have suffered in some way or suffering in some way. But here's what the Bible says. Here's what Scripture says. That, that, that we can walk in our suffering knowing the hope of Jesus someday. See, joy, true joy. I mean, the woman on the front row with the killer mask and great hat. God, it's, it's this joy. It's, it's when... In the midst of all that you're going, and we're praying and we're believing that God, it's in the midst of, of that suffering that your joy, and Chris and I talk about all the time. Yeah, thank you. It's, it is, it's, gee, my mother, who's not here today, she's seeing my sister, which I don't understand. She should be in church. <laughs> Sinner. Oh, she skipped out. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, now Chris is mad. Um, <laughs> she's. Um, this woman understands suffering. Uh, you, know, you know, she's not here, so I can talk about it. She has a disease called dystonia that eats away at the nerve endings, and, and she has excruciating pain pretty much 24-7, to which I, didn't, I just found out this morning she fell at my house. I don't know if one of my kids pushed her. Hopefully not. But she fell at my house, and my dad's like, in, she is in, in, not in great shape. This, this suffering. But the, you, you know what I, I love? Every morning, my wife, my, my mother, well, my wife too, but my mother is, is, is downstairs at, at 7 in the morning at our house, and she's on her knees praying. Mm -hmm. Do you know why she walks in here with joy? Hey, most of you have met my mother. 
Can, have you ever seen her have a bad day? Have you ever seen her not with a smile? Have you ever seen kids run away from her? Like, <sighs> other than my kids. Um, there's this joy that is so attractive in the midst of her suffering because she understands and being with Jesus someday. This suffering, whatever you're going through, it's temporary. It's temporary. Therefore, you can walk in the joy of Christ. You can walk in this joy. Number three, circumstantial joy. This is a good one. You know, this is how we, we like to think. Life is good. God loves me. Life sucks. Not so much. Any, anybody other than me think that way? Am I the only idiot here? You know, things are rolling and, oh, God, the favor of God and the blessings of God. What the interesting thing is, though, usually when we're in those places, things are flowing. We're not spending our time on our knees and praying and asking God. We're like, you know, it's all good. Who really, you know, needs God? We give a, you know, our, come to church twice a week and tip God and all that. But if we really don't, you know, ah. And then you know how it is, human nature. When life sucks and you know, your knees are cut out from underneath you, it's like, oh God, save me. Oh God, where are you now? He's like, ah, it's circumstantial joy. Circumstantial joy. I, you know, and I'm asking you to look at our lives, to examine our lives. Gosh, I, this is one of my issues, circumstantial joy. True joy, though, lives in both pleasant and terrible circumstances. True joy, the joy of the Lord that lives in us, it, it, it lives in both pleasant and terrible circumstances. True joy walks through adversity. True joy goes forth even in the midst of chaos. See, your circumstances should never produce or detract from true joy. And, and if you've met those people that walk in this, you're like, gosh, they just keep walking. They just keep walking. You're like, how are they walking like that? See, here's the deal. If you're in a circumstantial situation that's not going well, and, and, and you're able to walk in that joy, people look at you and they go, how are you doing it? And you're able to say, well, my circumstances don't determine who I am. Jesus does. And when Jesus determines your circumstances, all this other stuff, what I can taste, what I can feel, what I can see, what I can smell, is all temporary. So my circumstances don't define me. I say that in faith because my circumstances define me way too many times. And at, at time and time again, it's like, gosh, I'm like such an idiot. It's like I've watched God's faithfulness in my life for 53 years, and I've watched his faithfulness in my ministry for 23 years, yet there's times I go, oh, God, it doesn't feel right right now, God. Doesn't, I can't see it right now. The circumstances dictate my joy, and God goes, come on, come on. How many of you are walking in circumstantial joy right now? Maybe life is good, maybe life sucks. Which one is it? Your circumstances should neither produce or distract from true joy. Joy should be constant, a function of God's Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ living within us. Here's the answer to not walking in circumstantial joy right here. It is this, the Holy Spirit that lives in us and renewing our mind. 
God promised us the Holy Spirit in John 14. If we, we just preached on this for eight weeks, a few weeks back, when the Holy Spirit lives in me, the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. That Holy Spirit that is, is the power in me. When I walk in the fullness of that Holy Spirit, when I wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit, when I converse with the Holy Spirit, when I do those things and I get out the Word of God and I renew my mind with the washing of the word, what I find is there's a greater joy that goes forth. If we walk as a larger number of Christians in the world today who just kind of put in their time in this thing, you, you got to wonder why we don't change things on a greater scale or level. Think about it. If the church would just do these things, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and daily renew their mind with the washing of the word, what would it look like in the church and the world today? What might it look like in your life? What might it look like in your marriage? What might it look like in your school? What might it look like with your children? What might God do if we walked in the power of the Holy Spirit and renewed our mind with the washing of the Word? Oh, incredible things. Great joy. And great power that would go forth. Number four, fading joy. Matthew 5 says this, that you may be children of the Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and, and the unrighteous. You ever heard that? Say, oh, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. There's this, this, this level playing field that's called common grace. And common grace is this. Joy is rooted in God's common grace to all of us. If you're a human being, regardless, regardless of your spiritual state, God has blessed you. Let me give you an example. You ever see those guys? You know, those people that, that you know are so far from God, but they just got some joy or they got a lot of money or they got, you know, they're just happy people. And you go, they don't know Jesus. There's this thing called common grace that all of us experience, whether you're saved or not saved, whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus. The talents, your family, your possessions, health, and your achievements, the beauty of a sunrise. You did not choose what you look like. Some of you are saying, I wish I could have. Some, come on, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I Some of you did not choose your, your intellect. I say, I wish I could have, okay? Some of you didn't choose these things. You may have worked hard at them, but you didn't get to choose them. Common grace is what God gives us regardless. When you walked out the door and you saw the sun shining this morning and how beautiful it was outside, the common grace is this, that God gave us that to enjoy regardless of your sin or not sin, knowing him or not knowing him. See, this is true of joy, present, uh, present in all circumstances, experienced by all people. Nevertheless, it's a fading joy. It's fading because this world and everything in it, all the goodness, will be gone. It will be gone someday. Because it says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? You may know some people that have this seeming joy Maybe you look at him and you go, gosh, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little, little different husband, a little different wife, if I just had a little of this, a little of that, a little whatever. But the Bible says this. What does it profit a man who has all those things? What does it profit if he doesn't know Jesus? What is that 70, 30, 100-year life that you might live in comparison to an eternity? It's 
a fading joy. A fading joy. We've been singing this song, Oh Holy Night, the last three weeks. And we based this whole series around this. And, you know, the thrill of hope we talked about. And, and the new and glorious morn, which is peace. And, and in this joy, here is the key to joy. It's to fall on your knees. The key to joy in your life is to fall on your knees in the presence of Jesus. The key to joy is that when I fall on my face and I realize what I deserve in life, which is hell, it's what I deserve. If I, if I took each one of us and we just ripped deep down inside and we could see you at the essence of who you are apart from Jesus... If you disagree with this statement, you're completely deceived. But apart from Jesus, when I look in the depths of who I am, what I deserve is separation from God. That's the definition of hell. See, but, but this falling on your knees or on your face is this place that you experience joy. Because what you realize is this. What I deserve isn't what I get because of what Jesus did. Oh, that doesn't bring a joy. If you can just keep that in front of you, if you could just sit on your knees once a day for a moment, twice a day for a moment, if you could just get to that place of the realization that 2,000 years ago Christ died for my sins, I deserve to be on that cross. But he sent his son so that I didn't have to be on that cross. And because he went on that cross, I will never have to go on that cross. And God's grace is sufficient for all the stuff that I do. which should produce joy unless I'm sitting in my circumstances, unless I'm walking in fake joy. That's why falling on your knees is critical. That is why I am convinced my mother walks in this great joy because every single day I'd wake up as a kid, uh, not every single day, but when I'd wake up and I'd see her down there on her knees and joy would just come forth. See, it's this joy in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 15, 1. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, God doesn't, he, he didn't intend for a bunch of Christians, a bunch of Christ followers to walk around just defeated and beat up. He, he, he never meant for us to walk beat up, natural and spiritual. I, 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 I never want to see my kids walk in the, 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 uh, the, the weight of, of their sin. I want them to see them walk in the joy. And God, in the same way, wants to see you and I as Christians walk with that joy, walk in this place of, of, of a release of joy in your life. That's what a father wants for his kids. And that's what God wants for us. See, Jesus' joy was tethered, though, to him doing the will of the Father. And for, for many of us, for me, for you, when I don't walk in the obedience of Christ, I get outside of what he says for me to do and says of me in this word, then I find fake joy for a moment, but it's fleeting. It doesn't sustain. I find circumstantial joy. See, but, but God's... Look, I tell you these things because I want you to walk in my joy. Not because I want to torture you. 
Not because I want anybody miserable. Because the very opposite. You can walk in his joy when you walk in the fullness of who he is in his word. Joy in the presence of Jesus. You and I can walk in his joy. There's this Trinitarian joy of knowing the Father, contenting joy of abiding in Christ, and dwelled by the Spirit. Our joy, our joy flows from contemplating the person of Jesus. Our joy flows from coming off of our knees and realizing who we are in Christ Jesus. And I don't have to walk in the guilt. I don't have to walk in condemnation. I don't have to walk in the weight of the world. I don't have to do those things because when I'm on my knees, I see Jesus and all that he is. And when I see Jesus and all that he is, I can walk in the fullness of who he's created me to be. And there's a light just something in my step that isn't heavy anymore because I am free from my sin. I am no longer what I was. I'm a new creation in Christ and I can walk in the freedom of not having guilt or condemnation. But it comes from being on my knees. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy in the presence of Jesus. When we said this, remember this. Joy is only as good as its object. Joy is only as good as its object. And I want to finish with this. Contagious joy. Contagious joy. Luke 2, 17 through 18. When they said to him, they spread the word concerning what he had told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They heard and they saw this Jesus and their joy was loud and joy leaks. The two things when you walk out of here. Joy is loud and joy leaks. Joy is loud, Matthew 10. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Proclaim from the rooftops. Let me give you an example of loud joy. Okay? Oh, is that? Oh. <laughs> A loud joy is, is, you know, the calls from Eddie are just like, oh, you should have heard what happened today when I met with this, and, and God is working again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> and that's fine. Loud joy is for some people. I love it. You need loud joy people. And at times, you need to be a loud joy person proclaiming the works of Christ in your life. And it may not look like that, but it can look however, but it's got to be proclaimed and, and, and spoken from the housetop, the rooftops. But the, where most of us live, and I want to pull some of us out of that comfort zone to be living this joy of, of a loud place, but, but this, this joy that leaks St. Francis said this, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. So for so many of us, the joy should just leak out of us. It should just, it should just flow out of us naturally. That because we are on our knees and we understand who Jesus is in our life, because we've seen the work that Christ did in our life, there's this smile. People go, why are you smiling? There's this peace. They go, why, what, why there's so much peace? There's this hope. People go, where did that hope come? It just kind of, you know, it just leaks a little bit. It just kind of comes out, and people can just smell the aroma. That's a bad analogy. Um, let me, it's, people can, can, they can just, it's just, it's palatable. Have you ever been around someone whose joy is palatable? Has your joy ever been such that it's palatable? 
in this Christmas season, whether you're loud or you leak, bring the hope of Jesus. Bring the hope of Jesus. When you go to dinner with all the crazies, bring the hope of Jesus. When you go to the Christmas party, bring the hope of Jesus. When you walk out these doors, bring the hope of Jesus. Sometimes shout it. Other times just let it leak. Let it leak. And remember this. Joy is only as good as its object. So as we get ready to receive communion, and the band comes up, examine your life. What's the object in your life? What's the object that's been bringing you joy? Now, let me hear. I'm all right with, you know, uh, other things bringing you joy. But there's a difference between... um, a house or possessions or finances or job or relationship bringing you joy and it being the object of your joy. Two totally different things. I'm not saying don't be happy and if you hit the lottery. It's great. I'm not saying don't be happy if you got a great marriage. It's great. All those, I'm not, I'm, that's not, I'm saying don't let, the only object of my joy is Jesus because then it can become consistent and doesn't have nothing to do with my circumstances. It has nothing to do with anything other than when I'm on my knees and I experience this Christ that we're celebrating at Christmas time. There's a joy that goes forth. There's a joy that goes forth. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.